When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, you know, that's what we do as far as I mean, right. It's it's price of doing business. I get it. That's just, you know, the way. Um, But there are days where it's like, oh, my God, again. Yeah, I've. I don't really have to live that life because I work on the road all the time, as you right. know. So yeah. my, my wife deals with all the hauling kids here and there and everywhere. And I do not uh, want that job. I'm not it, doing It's it. only a problem when I get double booked. And of course, you know, I got one in basketball, one in volleyball. And of course, they practice on the same exact day on opposite sides of town. Uh, you know, it's just it's like, God dang it. There's two of them, one of me. And it's just the, the math doesn't always work out in my favor. Yeah, it's hard being retired, I'm sure. It's but, difficult. Uh, it's not for everyone. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I highly recommend uh, for all you listeners. And speaking of listeners, welcome back to the South End Zone podcast here on the Pigskin Podcast Network, brought to you by Stra- DraftKings Sportsbook. <sighs> Eric, the regular season is officially done. It is. We are into bowl season and playoff season, and yikes. Uh, it's a lot, it got here a lot quicker than I thought it was going to get here. I know it always, it's it, the, uh, the time in between the last game of the year and the first game of the year seems to take a hundred times as much you know time as, is the first game to the last game, even though it's only about three times as much, but, uh, yeah, the, the end is approaching. So we got to enjoy it while we, while it lasts. Indeed. So, uh, you know, doing this opening uh, part of the show here, we've, we've got a lot to get to today, but we can spend, you know, quite a bit more time on the front end of the show, I think, similar to a couple of weeks ago, because we've got a lot of coaching news that we've got yep, we do. to cover. So yep. given that well, there were only, you know, five games that we gave a shit about last weekend uh, and only one this weekend, I think we can take some time to discuss some coaching moves here. Which, unless you've been living under a rock, if you're a listener, then you would know that Deion Sanders, former uh, NFL Hall of Famer and Jackson State head coach, has accepted the job at Colorado. I'm not going to lie, Eric. I would not have. I mean, we talked about USF. We talked a mm-hmm. little bit about Cincinnati in the group chat. We did. I would have thought like Colorado was the last place that yeah. he would have gone of all the jobs that were available. But what I mean, what's your are you are you in the, that same line of thinking? Which line? The I'm surprised he took that job of all yes. the ones that were open. Yes, I'm yes. Uh, I'm firmly planted on that side of the fence. I was, you know, I saw, you, you know, you see the tweets from whomever 
you know, oh, Colorado is, is, you know, identified Dion or targeting Dion Sanders or what's the other phrase they use? Yeah, they've identified zeroing in on. Yeah. Yeah. Identified Um, them as a candidate. They can target these nuts. Like that's right. And I just kind of, you know, that's how I feel about those tweets. Roll my eyes. I'm like, okay, whatever. And then it's starting to sound like, hey, this is, this is really a thing that could happen. And then it, in pretty quick order, you find out, okay, yeah, well, he addressed the the Jackson State players after their game and told them he was leaving. And then he was on a plane the next day. And then he's talking to Colorado players, which is its own uh, discussion topic. But um, I, I still think it's kind of an odd fit to me. <laughs> but, you know, they're they're willing to pay him and he's willing to coach him. So I guess it's it's enough of a fit. Uh, but did those, you know, did those money terms actually come out yet? I have not seen the salary. Uh, I th- I haven't seen anything confirmed i've seen a lot of uh you know sources say things in the four to five million range is what i saw 5.9 average kind of range yeah Um, that's a pay increase from what he was making so yeah i mean it's a unbelievable pay increase um yeah but it just i still even after thinking about it and stewing on it for a couple days it's still the situation seems to me it's like you know as far as most likely outcomes of Deion Sanders head coach Colorado Buffaloes, there's reasonably high ceiling and there's a very low floor and there's not much in between. Like I, it feels like it's going to go hard one way or the other. So it'd be interesting to see. It will be interesting. They'll have to slap some sunglasses and gold chains on uh, Ralphie as he rumbles down the sideline. But I don't know, man. I, I thought... <laughs> Did you see his press conference, how he pointed out his son and was like, there's your quarterback while yes. he's still enrolled at Jackson Yes, State. that's the I'm first like, thing hey, I thought uh, of. I was like, hey, dude, portal's not open yet. I, and I don't know if, <laughs> yeah. if him being uh, – Can he tamper know, with himself? Well, I, I don't know if it's really tampering if he's not – if he hasn't, maybe he hasn't signed anything yet and he's not officially – I don't know. It's one of those – you know, even if it was a, an issue, the NCAA wouldn't address it until probably 2027. So <laughs> not worth crying too hard over. Now, and I wonder if he had all those people in the you know room where he's telling his players, I'm leaving. I wonder if he's got Travis Hunter in there and his son in there, because obviously they're going with him. You know, Travis Hunter already put it. He, he already put out on Twitter that he's going as well. Yeah, I'm sure there'd be a handful of guys that. That, that follow him along that he wants to bring, um, you know, because at Jackson state, even being an, an FCS school, they were, they recruited some, some pretty good players, some guys who had power five group of five offers uh, and chose to go there with him instead. So he, he's got guys on that Jackson state team who can play at, and you know, in the pac 12, you know, maybe not a ton of them, but certainly not zero. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think prime time's probably going to do well wherever he goes. He's a polarizing guy attracts a lot of talent. So, you know, he's a players guy. Players love him. So I, I don't know. I think he'll be fine there. And he is, and I, they'll be better. I'm I'm confident of that because he'll be yeah. able to recruit better than previous coaches did. The one thing I think is worth questioning or or is a legitimate concern, maybe is the best way to say it. I think recruiting talented players and or you know, talented enough to to win a lot of games in the swack using the name Deion Sanders is easier to do than recruiting enough talent to beat Oregon and USC and Utah using mostly just, you know, the name Deion Sanders. Um, I, you know what I, I mean? I, I, yeah, I see that side of the argument for sure. But I think today in the, por- in the transfer portal era, man, you could put a pretty good team together pretty fucking quick, you know, you can, and, and we've mean, seen it and y- yeah, you know, the, 
having the ability to do it and actually doing it necessarily not the same thing, but yeah. we'll, we'll see how it goes. I'm he'll, they'll be better. I'm again, I'm confident they'll be better to what degree be interesting to, to watch. Do they make a bowl game in 2023? Yeah, probably because there's still some, they still play a PAC 12 conference schedule that has some bad teams. Oh yeah. Um, and then, you know, depending on how their non-conference look, yeah, I, I don't think it's unreasonable to think he can get them to six and six. Um, yeah, I would agree. I'm, I'll be really anxious to see what that Vegas win total is when it comes out, you know, that'll be, be one to watch. And, uh, speaking of Vegas win totals, one we did not cover in the off season, cause they are not a power five team. They are on their way to conference USA, uh, here in a year or two, but, uh, Liberty, they lose Hugh Freeze to Auburn and they go and get Jamie Chadwell. From Coastal. Kind of a lateral move, in my opinion. I know yeah, we sort of touched yeah. on that in the group chat. Like, what? what's the – I mean, I'm sure he got a pay raise, but well, – he got more than a, a – pay raise is underselling it. And I don't How much I guess, did he make at Coastal? Because I, I honestly don't know. His This past season at Coastal, um, every everything I was able to find as far as what records are publicly available, he made just under $1 million. So oh, he, God. Yeah, so he's, he's making gonna, four times that. Yeah. Right. He's going to quadruple his salary and that's that's why he's going. You know, I, yeah, I that would makes too. Sense. And I, yeah. I don't I don't see Liberty really missing a beat. You know, I think with him no, think they'll, they'll still be, be a really good team. Yeah, they 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 lost a guy who I think is a, a good coach and replaced him with a guy who I think is a very, very good coach. I mean, he's he's thirty one and six his last three years and he's won everywhere he's been, every level, division two, FCS, FBS. They'll be fine. You know, I don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole because there's some aspects of this that kind of rub me the wrong way and come off a little disingenuous. But yeah, he, he did very well for himself. He he got a huge pay raise. Maybe he parlays, you know, goes, does well there and demonstrates to some of the bigger schools that, yeah, I can I can win at this place too. Um, it's not just the Sun you Belt. Know, just the Sun Belt. Um, you know, not the Conference USA is necessarily a step up. I mean, a year ago, we were on here talking about how they're on the verge of dying. I was about to say, I think the Sun Belt is a step up. That's why I say, like, outside of the pay raise, there's really no benefit. No, there's me. not. But, it, you know, and as, know. as weird as I think it is, a lot of that hinges on specific thoughts I have about Liberty University, the institution. But, yeah, you know, at the end of the day, if if someone paid me a four times my current salary to do the same exact, you know, if I was – uh yeah, move move an hour from home and do the same exact yeah. job for four if, times your salary. If, if I was stocking shelves at Harbor Freight and the manager at Tractor Supply called me up, said, "Hey, I've talked to some people. You know, we need a, a shelf stocker." Everyone says you're you're a great fit for us, and you know, I'll pay you forty eight dollars an hour instead of twelve. Yes, right. It doesn't matter what field you work. You could be a teacher. You could be a firefighter. You could be anything. If someone pays you four times as much money as you're making to do the same job for them. You do it. I would do it. You would do it. Everyone yeah. we know would do it. So yeah, you know, can't but, blame the guy. It, but, yeah, I mean, Liberty I Liberty is a better job than Coastal, but not by much. It's in some respects, just, yeah, but yeah, um, it's mainly just yeah. the financial difference. But yeah, but it, it's okay to say that. Also, no one's going to fault you, right? You don't have to get into. I believe God ordained this path for me. It's like, well, that was very considerate of God to ordain yeah. you to a path to a school that quadruples your salary and not some fucking NAI outfit in Missouri or wherever that pays 51 grand a year. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, but moving I, on, I don't want to get too off the rail. Jamie Chadwell, good coach. I think he'll do well at Liberty. 
Yeah, I, I would have to agree. It's a really exciting offense to bring to Liberty. Should be interesting. I think they've got one more year of being an independent before they go to Conference USA. So assuming Conference USA even survives that long, I, I mean, it wouldn't shock me to see Liberty eject and join some other conference. I mean, that... Not me either. You never know. So uh, speaking of Conference USA and Group of Five conferences, South Florida team that we both pegged Dion to go to. We thought it was perfect, and apparently not. They hire Alex Golish, which is the Tennessee offensive coordinator. I will be honest. I know nothing about him other than he's the Tennessee offensive coordinator. And uh, they I know have, very little. I believe he was at UCF with Josh Heupel prior to ah, that. Okay. I yeah, believe. So, I'm not 100% on that, but I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So he, he runs the Brile stuff, you know, the same thing, the Tennessee, Oklahoma, you know, all that stuff. So who knows if he'll be able to resurrect USF. I, man, yeah. they just. Well, I mean, I know very, again, just like you, I know very little about the guy. Uh, I can, I'm, I'm confident that they won't be worse just because that's. Hard to get a, much worse. Yeah, hard yeah. to get much worse than they've been. So I, you know, we talked, like I said in the group chat, um, he was a guy I had on my list of of dudes that Ole Miss might look at if Lane Kiffin left to to, to take the Auburn job. Right. And, but this makes more sense, I guess, kind of from a pr- progression standpoint. Um, you know, power five or you know, group of five offensive coordinator, power five offensive coordinator. Now go be the head coach. Uh, like we talked about USF. Last week or the week before, um, when we were going over those candidates, you know, the American gets a little bit easier in a couple of years when UCF leaves and Cincinnati leaves, and I believe Houston well, is leaving. That's this year. They all is that this year coming up or twenty oh, yeah. four? I don't remember. No, that, no, that's this year. They, I think they all were able to move forward and yeah, get so, out of their respective deals. So I'm pretty sure they're all joining this year. Yeah. So there's a couple fewer guaranteed L's out there. And, you know, he goes there and he can can get some players to come there and run that system that he ran so effectively at Tennessee. You know, quarterbacks like Hendon Hooker, who we'll talk about in a little bit, don't grow on trees. I get it. But you can find a guy who can succeed um, at least well enough to, you know, put up 40 points a game and go to a couple bowls. And then you can parlay that into a, you know, ACC job or whatever. Well, we'll see. I don't want to talk about South Florida anymore. They suck. We suck. And speak, speaking of Florida teams that suck, Florida Atlantic. Now, I got to be honest. This one surprised me. I did yeah. not expect this guy to take Mm-mm. this low of a job, given yeah, where surprised. he's been and the success that, you know, it, it's debatable on the success that he had. Because, I mean, I think, I mean, when you win double-digit games at Texas twice. Yeah, I don't know how eight, debatable it really is. He's never had a losing season. Right. And so you take that, Tom Herman, we're speaking about, and he takes the FAU job, which yeah. it's like, man, what? Like nobody offered him a better job than that. It's, it's yeah. well, we talked about him. We talked about him being maybe a decent fit at Cincinnati. Yeah. You know, last week we talked about Luke Fickle, and I, I said, you know, Luke Fickle, I think, is maybe my best hire of the offseason. I'll tell you what, Tom Herman for FAU, to, for them to, to get that guy, I think is close. Um, yeah. You know, he's 2014 Broyles Award winner when he was the offensive coordinator at Ohio State. They won the national championship. He went 22 and four in Houston. And then he goes to Texas. He's 32 and 18, five and old bowl record, including two New Year's Six games. And he's, he's not, it's not only has he never had a losing season, he's been over 500 all six years he's coached. So he's just, he just didn't win the right games at Texas. And then Texas is Texas. So, 
Well, you know, and I think it's a tougher time back then to be good at Texas because you didn't have the transfer portal back then. You know, you didn't have – if Quinn Ewers commits to Ohio State, you know, he can't You didn't have NIL. Right, yeah. And so a little bit different era of college football and maybe, you know, with the transfer portal and all that kind of stuff, he's able to get this thing going relatively quickly. But, man, I – that's a big time hire for FAU. That's all I'm going to say. Like, yeah. I mean, to get that guy off the TV. I don't think he'll be there long. No, I, I don't either. I think it's a two and done type of thing. Maybe a Lane Kiffin situation. Yeah, there. I think it's similar to that. Yeah. And I mean, with the way coaches get fired now, I mean, he could be there one and done. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, and speaking of uh, one and done, UAB hires Trent Dilfer. Yes. What? <sighs> I got nothing, man. He's a high school football coach, yep. a former NFL guy. He is. He he's worked. I know he's he worked know a lot down there. I know he's he's done a lot of work from a kind of personal quarterback coach training type of standpoint. Oh um, yeah, yeah. But I, I like how, listening how, to the guy. I like listening to him talk. I think he knows his shit. Yeah, he, all those things are true. I don't know how any of that translate into being a FBS head football coach, though. And running a program, I, I just I'm, I'm I was beside myself. <laughs> yeah, I, perplexing. I got to be honest, I, I I'm a little bit uh, taken aback by that. Like, what the fuck? Okay, yeah. well, no, I mean, if I, and I hope he does good. I like Dilfer just fine. It was just a yeah. I don't hiring. I don't wish him well. I just as like you know, if you're looking for reasons for optimism, I guess if you're if you're a, a UAB Blazers fan, he's obviously a guy who's going to know a shitload of people. He in theory, should be able to put together a good staff. And then that, but that's kind of all I got, right? As far as how good is he going to be at evaluating and recruiting and keeping those guys, you know, you go to UAB, do well, you're going to be tempted to try to go transfer to a power five school, right? So developing guys, keeping them, all the stuff that goes into it. Um, yeah. And a guy like Dilfer, you got to wonder how long would he hang around in the college game before he took a shot at an NFL job? Uh, maybe. You know? I mean, a lot of it, I guess, would depend on on how he does. He, His background seems to me like it would be more suited to be an NFL position coach than right than a college head football coach. But we'll see. Yeah. He, he yeah, might that, surprise me. Yeah. That one was a puzzling hire, to say the least. But uh, yeah. And another most, puzzling hire. Yeah. The most puzzling hire of the week. Cincinnati gets Scott Satterfield. I mean, there for a while, like people were tweeting about him, calling him hot Cedarfield. Yeah. And he goes seven and five this year in Louisville and just leaves to take the Cincinnati job, which is not as good of a job. Uh, It's not, it's not even close. Like Louisville with the NIO money, the facilities, the amount of money that's coming into Louisville as compared to Cincinnati, it's not even close. It's not even on the same playing field, mm. especially given the TV money that Louisville has been raking in from the ACC as compared to the TV money Cincinnati has raked in. Actually, but Cincinnati out, going to the Big 12. Uh, yeah, and shout out to uh, Bud Elliott uh, from Cover 3, CBS. Uh, he actually talked about this on Twitter and a little bit on his show. Uh, how, you know, comparing the two and that it's basically not even close. Like Louisville is a much better job, but all that aside, I think one of two things happened here. 
I think either the administration was like, hey, we like you as a friend, but we're not going to be married to you anymore. So go find another job. Or he saw the writing on the wall and was like, I got to get the fuck out of here before I get a black mark on my record. It could be. It's one of those things we'll probably never know. It wouldn't surprise me if it was a, they wanted a kind of a Harbaugh contract situation. Like, Hey, we'll keep you around, but you know, we're going to adjust your salary. We're going to put some provisions in here. You got to meet and this, that, the other thing, and then reevaluate if you can get it turned around. Cause he's not been very good for as good as he was at app state. He's not been very good at Louisville. He's 25 and 24 there. Yeah, no, it's been bad. I mean, he started out eight and five and had a couple of trash seasons in between and then went seven and five this year. And now with Malik Cunningham, probably off to the NFL, I would assume. Yeah. I don't know. <sighs> yeah, I think it's the right. I, I felt like he could have done better. Yeah, I think the writing was on the wall there. However, it went down. Satterfield is now at Cincinnati and hell, I know Louisville fans are ecstatic. I know they're just beside themselves like woohoo you know yeah, there is a there's a one, healthy there's one person a, complaining about it there's a healthy chunk a, a healthy percentage of louisville fan base and administration that is like oh my god thank god we got rid of that guy without having to buy out the remainder of his contract this is yeah. it's a win-win yeah it is um, a win-win we did preseason hot seat we did a mid-season hot seat update uh had we done end of end of season update i think him and neil brown at west virginia would have been in a tight race for my my number one spot and he gets poached like make it make sense yeah neil brown still going to be the west virginia coach next year that guy is going to get the clay hilton treatment if they don't come out of the gates firing man yeah yeah i gotta feel like if they're not if they're not three and oh he's done yeah (laughs) i would agree they they're in trouble but uh and then a little bit, the last one that I wanted to touch on here, because we actually just found out about this right before we hit record, was Barry Odom mm-hmm. takes the UNLV job. He leaves the Arkansas defensive coordinator position where, in my opinion, I think he's done an excellent job. Yeah. Considering where that team was. Yeah. And, and what they and became the in, under him. The injuries they've had to work around, particularly oh, on yeah. the back end. Yeah. Um, I yeah. mean, he lost his entire secondary this year, basically. So you know, with that, all that being said, I mean, UNLV finished five and seven this year. They, at times, UNLV looked pretty good. And I know there were a lot of the main pundits on CBS and ESPN that didn't really agree with them firing. Uh, what's his name? Arroyo? Yeah, Marcus Arroyo. Yeah. Ma- yeah. They were five and seven this year, which sounds kind of middling. If you consider that, you know, prior to that, they had won two of their previous 16 games coming into the year. Uh, I mean, they were, they were horrible last year. So I, I was surprised actually they let him go because they did make pretty big strides this season, even getting to where, you know, a bowl game is a possibility for much of the year, but yeah, uh, they let him go. And, and in my opinion, they upgraded. So yeah, uh, that's what I was going to say. I mean, to get a former sec coach Odom, as uh, some of you may or may not know, he was at uh, Missouri for quite a while as the head coach. And yeah, uh, I want to say he went to an sec title game at Missouri. He went to two, two SEC title oh, games. Well, there you go. Yeah. So Mountain West is probably not going to scare that guy. I tell you that. No, no, I wouldn't think so. He's uh, spent some time preparing for much tougher defenses or much tougher offenses than he will face going to UNLV. Now, that being said, still got to put a team on the field. Got to mm-hmm. get the talent. So I think he'll be fine there. I think that's, like you say, a big upgrade for them. So 
I suppose other breaking news, and this is for maybe our casual listeners or those of you who haven't really got time to sit and look at playoffs and such. Final Four, Georgia, Michigan, TCU, and Ohio State. So, Eric, I don't know. I'm of the opinion that uh, in no shape, form, or fashion was the potential outcome of a Michigan-Ohio State national title and the TV dollars associated with such a factor in the selection. Would you agree? As far as the seating or just the fact that that's how they got into the field, the seating. Well, well, both, both, I would say. I think the, I think it absolutely had a lot to do with, well, I kind of see it both ways. Actually, I can see where they would want to maybe save that potential rematch for the actual national championship game and not kind of, Oh yeah, that's what ESPN is hoping for. Um, I mean, it, but then the other part of me is like, well, why would you not want to guarantee that you get that game? You know, it, it's sort of weird. But also, you know, the four seed has to go to Atlanta and play the Georgia Bulldogs. Yeah, not the most pleasant trip. So you could argue that maybe you know Ohio State is the the better road opponent than TCU, I guess. So uh, the seating I thought was weird. I was a little surprised that they didn't drop TCU with the loss and uh, put Ohio State in over them to get that matchup. And in theory, uh, probably give the one seed the easier opponent. But, you know, if you're going to win the national title, you got to beat two of these teams anyways, regardless of, of what the number next to your school name says. So, I yeah. probably not that huge of a deal. I I'm more concerned. Did they get the right four teams in? I think they did. Uh, then how those teams were ordered? Well, I think, uh, and we can we can take a minute and talk about this. We're doing okay on time. I mean, the the only debate was Alabama or Ohio State. I think or TCU. You know that 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 was the three that you had to choose to choose choose two from, mm-hmm. and. As an Alabama fan, obviously, I'm, you know, kind of bummed my team didn't get in. I personally feel like if we li- if Alabama lined up on a neutral field with TCU, they would win convincingly, at least right now. Now, that being said, you know, you never know. Maybe well, I, they don't play all that well, whatever have you, but. Yeah, I feel the same way. The problem with 2022 Alabama is I've felt that way going into a number of games, and they did not win convincingly, right? Exactly. I.e., Texas, Texas A&M. Yes. Um, to a LSU. lesser extent, old Miss. Yeah, LSU. I mean, that. Yeah. Go go on and on, and that's kind of they have not been good on the road, but that's why I say like a neutral site game, and how they played the last couple of games of the season after the loss to LSU. I just, I feel like Alabama would be heavily favored over TCU. Probably something similar to what Michigan is favored over them, which is nine and a half at the moment. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I mean, you can sit, but bottom line. And I've got some friends that are listeners and that are Alabama fans, but I'm here to tell you, you can't go on the road and lose to that LSU team. You just can't. I don't mm-hmm. care. LSU, yes, they're a pretty good team year in and year out, whatever have you, but you can't go on the road and lose to them. You just can't. I mean, it just, that did them in. I don't care what anybody else says, especially made them look bad when Texas A&M beat thumped. LSU. And then Thumped. Georgia goes and just beats the brakes off them. Yeah, yeah. Hangs a 50-burger on them, which we'll get to here in a minute. So everything that needed to happen for Alabama, about 50% of it happened. Yeah. And, you know, I felt like going into the week that TCU was going to be in no matter what, that the worst they would do is drop them to four. And I'm a little surprised they didn't. But like I said, I think the seeding comes down to 
they they want a potential of an Ohio State Michigan national title. Which yeah, I, I do think if TCU had lost by a touchdown in regulation, they might they would have dropped to four. Losing by three in overtime in a game that honestly I I thought they kind of got shortchanged on a couple of calls near yeah, the goal the, line in overtime. Yeah, the goal line. Yep. I think it's it's tough to to move a team down losing to a top ten team you've already beaten this year in overtime by three. So I kind of get it, but I think there was a, a a potential outcome where TCU could have dropped. You know, if they lo- go out and lose by nine, I think they would have been four, and I think we would have gotten that rematch. How far? How bad would they have? had to have gotten beaten for you to drop them out of the top four. Out of the top four and move Alabama yeah. in? Mm-hmm. Five touchdowns? <laughs> wow. No, I mean, yeah. that, they would have had to I – mean, if it's their only loss to a top 10 team that they've already beat, they would have to go out there and get absolutely dismantled. You know, I, I've got a couple of friends who are Alabama fans who are kind of not thrilled at how it shook out. And my my thing was like, hey, you know, their whole case for getting in kind of rests on two things our losses were really close and we're Alabama and that they don't have the signature victory to hang their hat on. Um, they have a lot of close wins that shouldn't have been close. You know, I got the, well, they'd be favored over blah, blah, blah. Well, they were favored by like 18 against Texas and they were fortunate to win by one. They were favored in both games. They lost by more than a touchdown and lost. Yeah. They were favored by 20 something against A&M. I get that they had the backup quarterback in, but that was, that came down to the last play. So yeah, I, I think, and we've talked about Alabama through the season. There's an air of underachievement uh, for whatever reason. A lot of it has to do with undisciplined play and penalties. A lot of it, I think, has to do with coaching and player development. You know, from the position coaches and coordinators. Oh yeah, you know, I would uh, agree. They're just, you know, yeah, they're they have a they have a wildly talented roster, and they have the best head coach who has ever roamed a college sideline. Yeah. But they, they, you know, every team in this playoff has some sort of flaw. I think Alabama just had a little bit more flaw than most. And- well, it, it, th- I guess the there's a lot of people, including me. I, I guess why people are so bitter. Like I'm, I'm pointing to why the Alabama fans are bitter. A lot of people, including me, think that we got screwed against Tennessee. You know, with the the past or some of the calls, yeah. Yeah, the pass interference there at the end where we pick it off, run it back to the 40, and they call pass interference after the play is over. The flag doesn't come out until the guys at the 40-yard line running towards the other end zone. And You're it's right. just like, what? You know, like a lot of people think that Alabama got kind of screwed there, and based on what I saw, I would tend to agree. 17 penalties, all of that kind of thing. Now, like I say, you can't go lose to LSU. I know they had 15 penalties in that game, but they had their chances to win. They had their chances to get stops, and they just didn't. And yeah, so, I mean, they threw an, an interception in the end zone, I think the first drive of the game that night. Indeed, because they tried to get too cute instead of just pounding in the rock like they should have been doing. So I personally am not mad that they're not in. Yeah, it's a bitch if you're a fan. It sucks. I'm sorry, but they just weren't that good. Well, the good and news for Alabama fans is this saying, is – this is the last time they'll ever miss the playoff, probably. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of my thing, too. I'm going, you know, you've got one more year of a four-team playoff before it, uh, you know, expands. I, yeah, you're not going to miss. Once they go to 12, I, I just cannot imagine a scenario where Nick Saban misses the playoff. It, I just difficult. can't. Yeah, it's difficult to to figure out how that would come to pass. I mean, they would have to lose three games, I think, because – 
yeah. it would have to be some bad losses because they get so much favoritism in the media. They do. It, it, you know. They get some. It would have to be like this year where they have a third loss. And yeah. more importantly, they don't have any real strong wins. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would agree. You know, that's kind of what hurt them, right? They beat Old Miss. Well, then what's Old Miss? They they go and lose their their next three. You know, that that type of thing. Uh they would have to not really beat anybody good, and they would need probably three other SEC teams to finish with fewer than three losses. All right. Well, so I'm gonna go ahead and take a quick second before we get into our last pick and tell you guys about our sponsor, which is DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And this is my go-to when betting on the NFL this holiday season, and I love doing the same game parlays. Uh, they've got easy and fast payouts. You know, they've got lots of different options, player props, all kinds of things that you could bet on. So right now, new customers can bet $5 on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. So right now, everyone can earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app and place the same-game parlay and combine multiple bets, like which team will win, player props, point totals, etc. And the more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger the sh- your shot to win big. So I always like to play multiple parlays. You know, I throw out a five- or six-leg parlay every week. And sometimes it pays off for me, sometimes it doesn't. But, man, when those do hit, there's no better feeling than knowing you bet, you know, whatever it may be, five bucks, and you end up winning 50 or 60. Or, you know, if you're a big better and you throw down 50 bucks and you win five or 600, it's just it's a really good, uh, fun time when those actually hit. So, So hopefully you've hit a couple of those this year or you're willing to lay down some cash on the NFL games this weekend and hit one or two. Uh, but now to hit any of those, the first thing you got to do is you got to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use our promo code TPPN. That is the Pigskin Podcast Network acronym. And then you got to place a $5 bet on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code TPPN. Now, minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply there, so check out our show notes for those details. All right, welcome back to the South End Zone Podcast here on the Pigskin Podcast Network, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. All right, Eric, so we got all the breaking news and the coaching, and uh, one piece of breaking news we didn't mention, and this is as far as I'm going to go with it because I hate it, and that's that close to 2,000 players are already in the transfer portal. And so good luck betting on bowl games because I have no idea who's even going to be playing for half of these teams. Yeah, I'm I'm not even going to. I'm not going to bet them. I'm not even going to pick them for this show because we tried that last year and it was. It, I think I'm the no. only one that finished with a winning record in the bowl games and it was yeah. like by one game. <laughs> yeah. It, it was, you know, a pick this team and then you find out, okay, well, third string quarterbacks playing. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, not, damn it. So, yeah. Not great. Speaking of picks, uh, run us down here run down for our listeners our picks from last week i think we did okay did we not we did okay yeah that's how i, I we did all right we um you went four and two i went four and three ah, okay uh, on the, that'll, on the th- that'll pay that'll pay it will yeah on the three picks that we agreed on that we both took we went two and one uh one of those was over 56 for the american uh conference title game featuring UCF at Tulane. Tulane wins 45 to 28 are over 56 and a half hit pretty easily. Uh, got into the seventies. Yeah. 
one that we both liked and missed on was the Big 12 game. Uh, K-State and TCU came up just short, uh, 31-28 to 28 final in overtime. 61 and a half was a little too much. Yeah, I was really hoping for a like double overtime or maybe a double well, overtime went, plus a you know two pointer. Yeah, once it went to overtime, I was like, man, we've got this locked up because worst case, you get two field goals and they're at sixty two, and then it almost yeah. well, uh, K State I thought scored two touchdowns um, to to play where Max Duggan got called down. Oh, even, TCU, yeah, TCU, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, I said that wrong. Um, even if you say he didn't break the plane before the leg hit, they spotted the ball almost at least a half yard off of where they should. And then the next yeah. one, it looked, it was pretty clear to me that the ball reached over the line. Maybe it was a goofy camera angle. It made it look that way. I don't know. But yeah, in any case, over 61 was, was two L's for us. And then the other one we hit was Troy minus eight and a half. They ran all over Coastal. Um, Poor Coastal. Yeah, they Coastal had a rough weekend. Uh, Forty-five to twenty-six. They they actually built a huge lead, and then Coastal made some plays to to get it at least within three touchdowns and make it look a little more respectable than it yeah, was. It was but like they, yeah, it was like thirty-eight to seven at one point. I mean, it was yeah, they were a big um, yeah yeah. They had those guys firmly planted behind a woodshed. Uh, another woodshed scenario: uh, USC lost a second game this year to Utah. They go down forty-seven to twenty-four. So I had USC minus two and a half. That was a miss, but your over 66 was pretty easy money. Uh, comfortably covered that. Well, I was, I was sweating a little bit going into the fourth quarter, but uh, right. fortunately there was 30 points scored in that quarter, but we'll, we'll touch on that game here in a minute. Yep. Uh, ACC title game. I had North Carolina plus seven and a half. I had not seen enough offensively out of Clemson this year to make me think that they would beat, North Carolina by more than a touchdown. Uh, what what Mac Brown and I both <laughs> failed to consider is that Cade Klubnick is a person who exists, and they look like an entirely different team when he is playing than they do when DJ's in there. So they run roughshod on North Carolina, thirty nine to ten. Uh, yeah. They finish, uh, I guess, eleven and two, huh? Yeah, yeah, eleven so, and two, eight yeah. and zero in the ACC. So yep. good they, year for uh, them. They win the ACC for, I believe, the seventh time in eight years. They're going to go to the Orange Bowl, play Tennessee. Uh, depending on who's playing that game, who's not, might be interesting. We'll see as that gets closer. Yeah. Uh, I took the Fighting Harbaugh's minus 16 and a half. And if you didn't have money on 16 and a half or 15 and a half where it closed at, uh, the second half of this game was a drag. So Michigan <laughs> wins big, uh, 43 to 22. So this game was actually tied, I believe, 7-7 at the end of the first quarter. And then the rest of the scoring went something like Purdue field goal, Michigan touchdown, Purdue field goal, Michigan touchdown, Purdue field goal, Michigan touchdown. (laughs) And so uh, Purdue kicks kicks five field goals, I believe four of which were in the red zone. And I just, when you're playing a team that is that much more talented than you, you just cannot settle for field goals all the time. You got to make those trips count. And they didn't, and they lost. Yep. But I won. So I'll take it. Uh, and then last one, SEC game. Uh, yeah, you had, great call. Yeah. Great call by me here. Well, you, yeah, you took under 50 and a half. And the good news for you is Georgia did stay under 50 and a half. 
<laughs> the bad, bad news is LSU scores 30 points, so that was a loser. But I did take the dogs minus 18 and a half, and they cover by a fairly – I, I started to get nervous in the second half that they weren't going to cover that because Nussmeyer was throwing the ball all over the field. Um, yeah. But it's it's one of the rare times you'll ever see a team pass for something like 400 yards and still lose by three touchdowns. Well, so that's all the picks. We went eight and six overall. Five. Is that right? Eight and five. Eight, yeah. eight and five. Oh, yeah. That'll pay. Not too bad. All right. Well, let's run down some of these games here. Let's see how we're doing on time. Okay, 44. We're good. Uh, yeah, so let's touch on the uh, Friday night game first. Uh, okay. Utah and USC. What did you see there from – uh, USC and Utah that stood out to you? I didn't see a lot of this game. I, I didn't watch it live. Um, I kind of followed along with the score, but I did watch a, a condensed replay over the weekend. And this game, to me, boiled down to one thing. Do you remember what my biggest gripe was about Oklahoma last year when Lincoln Riley was there? To, that what they, they could not tackle a soul. Yes. So guess what USC did not do at all Friday night <laughs> tackle. They didn't, anyone. they cannot tackle anybody. It is, <laughs> it, oh, I would be embarrassed. Um, they can't tackle like he's never going to, he can have all the Heisman trophy winning quarterback. He's probably going to add another one to the list in a couple of weeks. Yeah. I, I think. Yeah, I would agree. Um, and I think the guy's the right pick and that's fine. He is never going to win anything until his team can tackle period. Yeah. We've talked about their defense and their defense is, Forced a lot of turnovers. They lead the country in turnover margin by a wide margin. Yeah. They're like plus 26 or something crazy. But we've talked about it. Hey, if they can't force turnovers, can they get stops, right? Can they stop people? Newsflash, they cannot because they can't freaking tackle. It it was just horrid. Uh, well, they got. They also just gave up way too many explosive plays, man. Just, God, I mean, like runs. Yeah, because, of, yeah, runs because they of, can't tackle. They had, I mean, Utah had three plays that went for over 50 yards. You know, uh, Jackson had a uh, had a big run there for mm-hmm. 53. Uh, Parks and Yasmin both had uh, catches over 55. I mean, just explosive plays just killing USC. Right, but these weren't all, like, throws with, like, 35 air yards, like, beating a guy down the field. They, a couple of these were, like, quick slant or, you know, tunnel screen type thing where they had a run where I think the guy broke, like, seven tackles. Like, no yeah. one tackle it was oh it's disgusting so yeah uh they they deserve to lose by three touchdowns the way they played defense um now they got off to a a a really good start and then caleb williams appeared to to get hurt and probably i would say maybe shouldn't have been out there in the second half he looked (sighs) awful in the second half man Um, that that's something that i was going to point to you know, with my biggest takeaways was, I mean, I talk about it all the time on this show that good things happen when you hit the quarterback mm-hmm. and man, Utah was pounding him all yeah. night. They just kept hitting him over and over, man. He was fucking hobbling and bleeding and broken. And like you said, probably shouldn't even have been out there, but man, <laughs> like I just, that, I, I would were, say this because we've talked even in the preseason, we talked about, Hey, maybe there's some questions around USC's depth. Yeah. Right. That yeah. might be something that gets them down the line. I cannot imagine that they don't have a quarterback who is more capable or who, who, you know, is more capable than Caleb Williams was in the second half of that game. I just cannot believe that they don't have a quarterback who could play better than he was able to physically in the second half. I don't half. know. 
Well, and I'll say this about Caleb Williams, you know, kudos to that guy, even though this was a, a, a loss mainly in the fourth quarter, because I mean, it was a competitive game all the way up until that point. And I mean, it was tied at halftime and mm-hmm. Utah was up seven going into the fourth. And I mean, I saw Caleb Williams make some throws that looked like Patrick Mahomes level shit, like sidearm the ball, you know, on the run, just flick a sidearm pass that goes 40 yards into the end zone it's it's like damn yeah you know, the like amount that, of the amount of velocity talented the amount the amount of velocity he's able to get on the ball throwing you know without his feet set and squared up is is absurd yeah it, really good player i mean that's I, I would agree with you i think he's going to win the heisman but uh utah man they do uh you know end up cashing on the conference championship for us oh, I mean, that, yeah know. that future yeah, I, I, I bet it back in, uh, I think it was, I bet the late September, I bet Utah to win the conference title. Michigan was the other one. I bet them in October um, at like plus 375, and I got Utah at plus 300. So, I mean, that, you know, not not huge, massive payouts, but decent payouts. Mm-hmm. So that, uh, that was good. But, uh, you know, Tavion Thomas, not even playing didn't really seem to affect Utah. They still rushed for 223. Like you say, USA just could not stop them. Kind of went exactly how last year went. You know, yeah. after Utah thumped Oregon, we were like, surely to God, like they won't thump them that bad again. Yeah, surely Oregon won't come out and try to do the same exact thing. Yeah. And, you know, Utah wins by one point for by going for two on their home field. And then they go to a neutral site and just destroy the same team it's like wow i i don't know <laughs> pretty wild but well when when you have a really really good coach like utah does that type of thing can happen indeed it can so great adjustments there uh congrats to utah and winning the pac 12 big time year for them they're off to the rose bowl to face penn state so yep. should be a also a really interesting game there that's one i'm excited to watch uh let's talk about uh, the Big 12 game because that that's the most controversial one. TCU, man, again, I thought they were doomed. Mm-hmm. I thought they were, you know, and of course they did end up losing, but the fact that they made it a game that went into overtime. Yeah, two overtime, yeah. Yeah, Duggan comes back and rushes for like 80 yards in the fourth quarter, just puts the team on his back, gets them to overtime. Like, they're a fun team to watch, man. Like, I, congrats to Kleiman on winning the Big 12, you know, big time year for them. We'll we'll be talking about them all off season, but I was uh, really impressed with Duggan in this game. Yeah. Yeah, I thought he I, I guess I hadn't made up my mind um entirely on him. I know he's had some really really good games. Uh I we had him as our player of the week one. I don't remember who they played. I want to say maybe Kansas or somebody. Uh where he accounted for like seven touchdowns or something absurd, but yeah, he had uh, I think 95 yards rushing on that final touchdown drive to tie it. Uh, yeah, they had a they had a penalty moved back, but man, that guy you know played his guts out, and you know do, do feel like they got a little shortchanged. Uh, a couple of the close calls didn't go their way, but yeah, you know, but bo- both it wasn't a poorly played game. Both teams played very very hard, and very very well. They were very physical. It was a really good game to watch. Yeah, it was. Like I'm glad. I didn't pick anything on the spread and that we just decided to just sit back and watch it. Uh, cause it was, it was good. It was fun. Yeah. And I think on the, 
on the show, I think you did say if there was a gun to your head, you would have taken the points with K-State. So uh, gun to your head, you would have survived. Yeah, missed it. So, missed that opportunity. Yeah. So I don't know. That'll be interesting. We'll talk more about TCU going forward as they get ready for a playoff matchup with the next team we're going to talk about, which is Michigan. Touched on it a little bit in the uh, picks review there, Eric. Uh, Michigan, once again, you know, screws around in the first half, lets the team hang around, and then just puts their foot on the fucking gas in the yep. second half. And Donovan Edwards goes for a buck 85. No Blake Corum, no problem. Yeah, I actually didn't get to watch any of this because uh, Dish Network um, <laughs> doesn't believe that I should be able to watch Fox. So, oh, you know, I, I followed along the score. And, you know, like I said, you trade field goals for touchdowns. It's you're you're going to end up in, in a hole. And you know, even later into the game, you know, into the fourth quarter, Purdue's kicking field goals. It's like, what in the hell are you doing? I, I don't yeah. Outscored so, 29 to nine in the second half. It just, I mean, it was a one point I mean, game it, at halftime. It, yeah. It, it's better than punting on fourth and four when you're down multiple <laughs> scores in the Big Ten championship game, or, uh, yeah, which we've yeah. seen before. But yes, we did see that. <laughs> um, Shout yeah. out to Kirk Ferentz for that. Way to go, yeah. Kirk. So I, Michigan played the type of game that I sort of expected them to play. And I'm trusting that it looked how I think it probably would have looked. Yeah, they are who we thought they were. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I'm not really going to touch on the ACC championship game. The only note that I have from that, like you say, Klubnik coming in. Mm -hmm. And now it is Cade Klubnik's team because DJ Uyunglele is in the transfer portal. I would wager he's headed out west somewhere, but we'll see. But Klubnik is now the dude. He goes, and now some of these stats are skewed, yes, because it's North Carolina's defense, and I could pass for a healthy QBR on North Carolina's defense because they stink. But Klebnik goes 20 for 24, yeah. just lighting them up for 279 and a touchdown. I mean, really impressive there. So they take their foot off the gas in the fourth quarter, hold North Carolina scoreless in the second half. So kudos to North Carolina's offense for most of the year, but they did not have an answer for Clemson's defense. So mm -hmm. I'll be really – I don't know about you, but I'm I'm more interested to see – you know, because half the quarterbacks in the ACC are in the portal now. Right. I'd be anxious to see if uh, Drake May were to jump in the portal. Yeah. So I was surprised. I, like going into, you know, quote unquote portal season, he's not a guy that I would have, you know, he, he's a redshirt freshman quarterback for a team playing in the ACC championship game. You know, he's not going to be challenged for that job. He's, he arguably could or should have been a Heisman finalist. He had a fantastic season, but, yeah, yeah. As soon as that game ends, you start seeing, oh, well, he's undecided, and this. I was like, I, I was surprised that he's a guy who is even considering it. But I know yeah, there was a uh, lot of knows? Twitter, we'll a lot of a lot of Alabama fans on Twitter that are hoping he transfers to Alabama. But uh, there's a lot of fans probably hoping, probably that, everywhere that are yeah, hoping it, for the same thing. If I had a favorite team, I would hope that that he transferred to my school as well. Agree. So I'd be shocked if he doesn't at least test the Iowa waters elsewhere. But we shall see. Uh, so the last one we're going to touch on here, the SEC title game, went pretty much like you expected. Georgia jumps all over them in the first half. It's 35-10 at halftime, and it was pretty much all Georgia, man. They just – Heisman finalist, Stetson Bennett, efficient once again, and yep. uh, Georgia just smothered them in the first half. And once they kind of took their foot off the gas, you know, LSU was able to make some things happen with Nussmeyer throwing the ball. I don't. I'm a little bit shocked that Kayshawn Boutte 
is returning to LSU next I'm year. Surprised, yeah. I thought he was a guy who, you know, he he played well enough towards the second half of the season. You know, he had some some bumps in the road early on in a couple of games, uh, Florida State game, the Tennessee game. Yeah, he looked great second half of the season. The games I watched, and he played well uh, the other night. I, you know, if I had to bet money, yeah, I would have thought that he goes to the draft as well. Yeah. I mean, it, like I say, bottom line, Bennett goes 23 for 29 for four scores, 9.4 a play. It's pretty impressive, but, I mean, it was just a Georgia rushing attack, man. Just went for 255 on the ground. They could not stop Georgia's offensive line. And, of course, you know, Brock Bowers, good fucking luck covering that guy, man. He's just yeah. – I, I don't care what anybody says about Young or Anderson or whoever. I'm an Alabama fan, but, dude, Brock Bowers is the best football player in college. He's in the discussion. I mean, it's one of those you start talking about guys different positions. I don't know that you can most of the time clearly identify one. Dude, uh, you could line up but, Brock Bowers at defensive end and he would be a force. Well, and that's the thing is I, I think you could give him an offseason and he could play outside linebacker. Mm-hmm. Um, I would agree 100%. I think that guy could play any position on the field yeah, outside he's, he's, of yeah, quarterback. D-line, maybe. yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, give him I mean, a – Summer think, to gain 30 pounds, he could be an effective defensive end. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he could be like that kid. Uh, God, what's his name? Donaldson at West Virginia, the yeah. converted tight end who's just yeah. this, this wrecking ball of a running. He could play running back. Oh, yeah, um, he absolutely could. I mean, you, you know, stick him back there. He's fast enough. He can run away from people. He can run over people. He's a fucking nightmare to yeah. try to cover. It's he's just, a problem. It's, it's amazing, problem. man. It's <laughs> And he's one of three really good tight ends that they have. And that's that's what's funny is Darnell Washington, like not even a factor in the game. They don't even have to really get him involved. Yeah, uh, I think he got a touchdown towards a uh, red zone touchdown. But yeah, he wasn't like yeah. a focal point. Yeah, he had one catch for 14 yards. And that, you know, Brock Bowers, get, you know, their leading receiver again, as per the usual. So, yeah. ah, man, I don't think anybody can beat Georgia. It's just, I think they're the, I think they're the standard of college football now. I think Ohio state has a shot just because they can throw the ball well. And that ha- at times has been a weakness for Georgia. The thing with Georgia is they've had stretches in a lot of games where they, they look like they, you know, they could be had. It's just, no one's been able to go out and do it. Uh, they, they wake up in time, I guess, for lack of a better, you know, think of Missouri um, for instance. I think it's just because they know they're going to win. Like it, well, they know. And I think like, they have a, I mean, watching it's easy. Missouri, like take the Missouri game, for instance, where they, you know, screwed around with Missouri for four quarters when they were a 24 and a half point favorite. And, you know, it, at no point in that game were you ever concerned that Georgia was going to lose. Even when they were behind with five minutes to go, you're like, nah, Georgia's going to win. <laughs> you know, they do have that kind of feeling. Yeah. They'll just, they'll turn it on and score a couple times quick. And, it's probably more difficult to get up for a road game at Missouri than it is for the SEC championship. I, I would think hundred percent. If you look at the games where they've, you know, they've got every reason in the world to come in a hundred percent focused and locked in. You think back to the season opener against Oregon uh, or this game or the rivalry game with Georgia tech uh, or the Tennessee game when Tennessee is the number one ranked team in the country, you know, they, they physically dominated all those teams. So, oh, yeah. um, you know, some teams have had success throwing the ball deep down the field, like LSU did. Some of that is they had backups in for a time, but some of that, you know, Keely Ringo got beat, Malachi Starks got beat on a couple of plays. You know, Marvin Harrison Jr., in my opinion, best receiver in the country. They got to figure something out for him. 
in the game they lost last year to Alabama, it was blowing coverages down the field. I'm sure they're sensitive to that. I'm sure they'll come up with a plan to to deal with that. But yeah, right now they look like the least beatable. Uh, no one this year looks unbeatable, but they look like the least beatable team. Well, I could tell you right now, if I'm Ohio State, I'm concerned with two things. Run defense. And one of them, it, well, not even run defense. On offense, I'm trying to figure out a way to stop Brock Bowers. If that's even remotely possible, double cover him, something. You have got to stop that guy. But on the other side of the ball, and this, I think, strangely, is more important, they have got to find a way to stop Jalen Carter. Yeah. Because that guy is a fucking wrecking machine, dude. And he's that's almost the only thing impossible. you need to be concerned about because he will fucking pitch a tent in your backfield. He's almost as impossible to deal with defensively, like as Brock Bowers is on the other side. It's yes. really they're it's it's a really similar problem. Like do I just double this guy like every single snap and hope yes. that <laughs> and, and hope that uh you know Smile Mondon or Robert Beal or whoever doesn't some other you know, five star doesn't wreck me? Yeah. It, you know, and it's the same thing with Bowers. Like, well, yeah, you can double him, but you're gonna leave the middle of the field open a lot. To where if you can't stop the run with four down linemen against these guys, you're you're done. They're going to be ripping off 10 and 12 yards per carry all night. Yeah, Georgia presents some problems for Ohio State. Well, we will uh, get more into that uh, with our previews coming up. And uh, we did have in the notes here to discuss the Heisman. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say one thing about the Heisman Trophy ceremony. Okay, I'll say two, but go ahead. And it's not going to be a nice thing. The Heisman Trophy ceremony and the award is a fucking joke. It's a popularity contest. They don't put the best players in football in it. Mm-hmm. And it's just a joke. I, I, I have no respect for the Heisman Trust, the voters, all these people that go and put Stetson Bennett. And this is not an indictment on Bennett. He's a good player. Like, I'm a believer. I crushed him all year last year. I've watched him a bunch of times this year. He's a good college quarterback. But to put that guy in over a Drake May or a Hendon Hooker or a Blake Corum, it's a fucking slap in the face to those players, man. Like, I mean, Hendon Hooker had one of the best seasons in SEC history and no recognition. You know, Drake May set school records in basically every category, conference records for a freshman, no recognition. I mean, it's a it's a joke, dude. Like Wrap it up and give it to Caleb Williams if you want. I'd be fine with that. He's a good player. Had a great year. But, man, I'm done with the Heisman. I don't give two shits about it anymore after the finalists they named. Last two years have been rough. Um, <laughs> they, As far as who are the who are the top four vote-getters, there, there is – I still cannot think of a good reason that Will Anderson was not a finalist last year. That you will never – until my dying breath, you will never convince me that he was not one of the four best players in college football last year. That is no. insanity. Yeah. Uh, like you want to take four players and stick them out there this year, stick Caleb Williams out there, because I do think he's one of the four best players in college football. Uh, put Drake May in there, put Brock Bowers in there. Cause the guy is freakish and uncoverable. And then, you know, find the best defensive player you want to find. I don't think it was Will Anderson this year, but, it, you know, it's it's a joke. Yeah. I'm, done. I, I'm done. I'm not going to vent anymore. Yeah, my, my my biggest gripe is after the, at the conclusion of week 10, Hendon Hooker was the clear favorite. Yes. And then I guess he committed the cardinal sin of getting hurt. Him and Blake Corum both. So both of them. I don't, 
27 touchdowns and two interceptions and nine and a half yards in attempt. I, he was the best quarterback in the country for three quarters of the season. So, yeah, it, the Heisman, it's largely a TV product at this point. There's enough obvious flaws with the voting process and the results where I'm just kind of tuning out. Yeah, it's uh, it's a joke. So we'll get more into the college football playoff and the New Year's Six discussions next week. Uh, we are running up against time here, but the last thing that I want to touch on is the only game this week, which is another service academy under because the current total is 32 and a half for Army Navy. <sighs> Give me the under. Boy, 30. It, the, the over is tempting, but you know, for, for newer listeners who haven't heard us talk about the background on this, the under has hit 43 of the last 53 service academy games, right? Meaning, you know, Air Force, Army, and Navy matched up with one another. So going back 17 years, uh, that bet hits in excess of 80%. That is the safest bet in sports. So 32 and a half, that's a scary number to take the under on. Do it anyways. Chances are very good. You won't be disappointed. Is it that scary? You took under 32 and a half on a fucking Iowa game this year and hit it. I th- was it 32 or 33? I mean, same thing, you know, I mean, 32 just and in half, general, in, in general, right. If you look at these lines, you, you hardly ever see anything. That's not a big 10 West game in the thirties, yeah. right? 32 or something on the low end of the thirties can be a little like, Ooh, boy, that's not, uh, uh, trust me. Your chances of winning are greater than your chances of losing. Oh, under yeah. 32 I mean, there's been, there's been two service Academy games this year, uh, air force and army and air force and Navy. And I bet both unders and both fucking went under <laughs> like there's just, you don't bet an over in a service Academy game. You just don't like it's against the rules. You just bet the under. If you lose this year, fine, bet it three times next year. You'll hit at least two out of three. But, uh, do you have anything else before we close out? No, I think that's it for tonight. Um, and then we'll be uh, probably working this weekend, putting together a schedule for our, our Bull Mania episodes coming up. It looks like we're doing three based on uh, when we generally record and when the games are and how all that falls out in the calendar. But uh, we'll be looking at the first set of bowls next week. And I think there are 13 of them that are going to be uh, – no, I don't think we're going to pick these. Just because it's yeah, I mean, you know, the the transfer portal is basically making it impossible to yeah. feel safe about betting on games. Now, that being said, you can work that to your advantage in some way. Like if you know, if a t- if one team's whole team is still together and the other team is missing their quarterback, they're starting wide out, they're running back, their best offensive lineman. Then, you know, I, I think the lines are going to reflect that. I would think Vegas makes some adjustments there based on what is happening at the transfer portal. Yeah, I'm sure they've got an eye on it. Um, but, you know, at a minimum, we'll be identifying the games we're looking forward to and maybe some of the ones we're not. Like, yes. I, spoiler alert, I have no interest in watching Kentucky-Iowa again. <laughs> again. Um, and that was actually a high-scoring affair last year. It was a good game. Uh, so. I don't know. I don't know how. But, yeah, uh, 13 games next week, 13 the week after. Uh, we may double up episodes to split out the uh, – air quote regular bowl games versus the new year six and playoff games but yeah uh, minimum three episodes of bowl mania coming your way all right well good deal well uh until that time you guys can find us on twitter at south end zone pod you can follow me at jason bailey 47 you can follow eric at eric mulhair 
Well, we'll be back with you next week for the beginnings of our uh, bowl conversation. So until then, catch you guys later. Thank you very much. Have a great day.